If you're lucky, you listen to them talk. They're on their way up and they can't stop. For all things great, I ain't in hard talk. It's Kev Lewin's decent to sandbox. What is going on, Since the Sandbox fans? We are here down the Since the Sandbox studio. My name is Steve Toro, producer and host for the Since the Sandbox podcast, along with my co-host Kev. But we'll get to him. Yeah, we got we got somebody more important here today. So we'd like to introduce our guest, Anthony D'Ambrosio, running for state senate. So a quick round of applause, really quickly, Anthony. Thank welcome, you guys. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> of course. So, Anthony, why don't you tell Boston and all of our fans at Since the Sandbox a little bit about you before we get into the show? Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on today. Big fan of the podcast. Thank I'm you. really excited to be I here. <laughs> My name's Anthony D'Ambrosio, and I am running for the state senate seat that East Boston is in, and there's going to be a special election on Tuesday, December 14th. Mm-hmm. I have strong roots in the area. Absolutely, my dad immigrated. Do. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> my dad immigrated East Boston in '72, so it's nice. special that nice. we're back here today. Uh, yeah. Growing up in the area, I'm from Revere originally. Mm-hmm. A lot of my grandparents were still up there. We were upstairs with your nana. A minute ago. <laughs> <laughs> she was talking about how she knows my aunts and uncles, which is <laughs> awesome. That that old school network still shines through today. We need um, it exactly. Of course, I'm running right now to inject some youth energy and change into the Beacon Hill circuit. I love that. And, and we're going to have a lot of fun. We need that. We, we need definitely it. need that. And now our other person here. Go ahead, Kev. Kev. Kev Sinatra. You guys know me. I'm not going to get They know me. So guys, before we get in, just a little bit. Anthony obviously told you his family emigrated here, obviously having strong roots. But we also can't deny your strong educational background. So graduating from Yale and then the University Ooh. of Cambridge in the U.K., Nice. In the UK. So do you want to share a little bit about those experiences? We also have a big, you know, demographic of a lot of kids going to college or in college now. So kind of what that was like. Yeah, for sure. No, I appreciate it. Listen, growing up, my immigrant family, right? And always pushing, study hard, study hard. Because Absolutely. that will provide you with opportunities that my family was not provided as they were growing up in the area. You know, my grandfather didn't have anything more than a third grade education when he left Italy, Southern right. Italy. He was a farmer. Um, so it meant the world to us to, mm-hmm. to study hard constantly. And I was blessed to attend Yale University for undergrad and, you know, met a lot of great people there, including my, uh, my partner, my girlfriend of seven years, who's Ooh. not here today, unfortunately, but the most brilliant person I've ever <laughs> met, uh, Caitlin Walsh. And, you know, obviously had the opportunity to, to study the, the issues that impact our society and our communities here in East Boston, Revere and Winthrop, for sure. uh, at, at a close level. And then I had the opportunity opportunity in graduate school to go abroad to England to get my master's at Cambridge. And man, that was awesome. I can Um, only imagine. (laughs) It was special to me because when my dad first moved from Italy, they they went they went to the United Kingdom uh, as migrant factory workers. And he was literally reared, you know, at one, two years old in a, a stuffed room of Italian immigrants whose parents would go and work in the factories during the day, about 40 minutes outside of Cambridge. So here I was, a kid with that background, studying at, at a place traditionally only the elite people of English society would go right. to. So it meant the world to me to kind of stick it to them in that kind of way. <laughs> and then obviously we were able to come back and, and, and return to my community here. For sure. And got to say, I had a, a quick little lunch with, with Anthony last week. Um, as you since the Sandbox fans know, um, we are selling a lot more of our apparel there. Kev's going to pick some up tonight once we're all done recording. Uh, get that out to all of our 
friends and family of East Boston. And when, you know, we were in Meridian Market, we had, you know, a lot of conversations, just trying to get to know each other. That was the first time we really met each other. And, you know, just trying to learn, you know, a little bit about the direction of where Anthony wants to go and why so many people have Anthony D'Ambrosio signs all over the place. <laughs> Literally everywhere. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. But, you know, what made you uh, run for Senate? Because I, I feel like the reason it, it could be, you know, a lot of why people want to vote for you. Yeah. No, I appreciate it. Listen, we're lucky to have a broad base of support here. I ran for Senate because it's time for change. Um, coming out of the COVID-19 crisis, a lot of the issues that we knew existed in the state and country are uh, more evident than ever mm-hmm. and more prevalent than ever, especially 100%. in the education area. I'm a member of the Revere School Committee. I, I'm an elected official in that city, and I've I've seen the ways in which COVID has absolutely devastated uh, our educational system, has absolutely devastated our economy for small businesses. And coming out of that pandemic uh, with the urge of a young person who wants to change things and wants to get involved – the the choice to run was a clear one, mm-hmm. you know, because there are so many issues that our legislators are not effectively addressing because they don't quite have the know-how or the connection to, to the youth who are being impacted by those issues. That's awesome. So I, so I got to, first of all, applaud you for the whole education thing because you're talking to educators yeah. here. <laughs> Thank so I, you guys, by the way. I the real heroes. I appreciate that. And I agree with you. I mean, it's it honestly is crazy that it took a global pandemic for us to like finally realize that the issues we need to address need to be addressed. But as far as your goals for your career, like is it – and I and I ask politicians this question a lot because I get a lot of different answers because obviously, you know, some people want to be president one day, stuff like that. For you, is it kind of – is this the goal? Like, do you, cause like I'm thinking I'm friends with some of the East Boston politicians and a lot of them say, yeah, they have opportunities to go on and do better things, but they want to make a change right in their community. And I think that's a lot of the reason people run for things like that and have longevity because they like to stay in their community. Cause sometimes when you get higher up, you know what I mean? Obviously bigger issues get in the way. So for you, is this just like a stepping stone or is this something that you want to make a career or is there like a higher step like do you want to eventually yeah. go on to be you know say mayor or governor or whatever i want this seat to be my career for a long period of time nice. the unique thing about the massachusetts senate is that you have a tremendous amount of influence but you're also representing your hometowns and cities mm-hmm. acutely you're not representing the whole state to be able to represent revere east boston winthrop the north end would be the honor of a lifetime because I'm born and bred Absolutely. in the area. Exactly. My roots yeah. are in the area. It's in my DNA. And I also, at the same time, I caution against saying I want to do something like this for a career because I'm not a big fan of careers in politics generally. Yeah. They, they can lead to good, but I have a certain set of goals that I want to accomplish in a short period of time in the Senate, and I'm going to put Every ounce of energy I have into accomplishing those goals. Fiery. Yeah. Love Every it. ounce. <laughs> I love, I love it. like the whole youth aspect on it too because I course. feel like and, – and, and me and Steve experience this even with coaching. Like a lot of the time, you know, these voters, especially now because Boston's heavily populated with young professionals, you know what yeah. I mean, and stuff like that, that it's it just relates better when it's someone their own age, you know what I mean? And I'm not saying there's anything against older politicians, but it's just when things need changing, people feel more comfortable talking to someone – that's so youth oriented or that's so young because we we understand, we get it. Like we're living in the situation. You know what I mean? And I gotta say, not to not to cut you off either. The best thing about it is he definitely has the mindset and the, the demographic support from the youth. 
but with his family and you know he still being has, like, him, the old school yes guys. Yep. and he can still get you know the wisdom that he needs from the older people if he needs it but we have a bright young man with, with a, a very strong resume here yes, so I, I believe he's very well spoken for himself but obviously having the support and understanding of both it's got to be a huge measure i appreciate it i mean listen i agree completely we are at a time of massive societal transition yeah. We're on the precipice of a technological revolution a jobs revolution and educational revolution mm-hmm. and in order to steer that process effectively you need somebody in touch with the youth which hopefully we are <laughs> and I but you also need that institutional memory that's that's served by having relationships with the older folks in the mm-hmm. communities, the seniors, the the institution bearers who have brought this community up, brought these yeah. communities up. And that's where my campaign is unique. We've got it both. We are that transition figure. Absolutely. And just, just a little check-in, how have you felt the campaign's gone so far? We are so – I think it's been so strong. Yeah. You know, this started as a little shoestring campaign with me and a few guys uh-huh. out there and <laughs> girls holding signs every day. And now it's transformed into a huge operation where we have dozens of people coming in and out everywhere. of the campaign HQ. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, hundreds the signs are everywhere. And I like, appreciate yeah. it. Honestly, I don't know quite how to deal with all the attention. Of that, <laughs> but I'm blessed and honored. That's, that's what I have to say. No, that's awesome. So I just wanted – people – when, when it comes to politics, you know, they're, they're always so vocal about the changes. So I just want to know what changes you think, you know, some people like us in the communities of East Boston, Revere, um, went up. what changes do you think that we'll see that that would be better for our future? Absolutely. Uh, one of my biggest platform points is providing universal and affordable access to broadband internet throughout mm-hmm. the state. This was a huge issue, and you all know this as educators over the course of the pandemic. As children and students were forced to go remote, uh, we had this issue in Revere where a lot of students were not able to even access the classes that they were forced to take during the pandemic. It is It was nuts. Uh, we were able to partner with broadband providers in Revere to get those children access, but that didn't happen at a state level. And it's more than just a student or educational issue. The fastest growing segment of the job market today is remote jobs. It's tech jobs that Mm -hmm. require internet connectivity. And when you look at the startling statistic that, you know, roughly or more than a third of people in the Senate district don't have access to reliable broadband internet. Beyond imagine, (laughs) we are selling out, uh, you know, the hopes of economic growth and economic prosperity for so many of our citizens because we're just not keeping up with the times. Mm -hmm. This is the responsibility of the Massachusetts Senate, of the Massachusetts legislature and the state house as a whole to guide the state here and make sure we're putting our citizens on an equal playing ground so they can access the the technological revolution of the 21st century we're going into. Absolutely. Man, with, with with some power, with some gravy, I love it. <laughs> That's a huge thing too. Like I guess you could say universal broadband too, because like you said, I mean, I'm even thinking like from my own experience. Like my mother, she's worked at the East Boston Health Center for 30 plus years now, and she's obviously on the verge getting to that age, retiring. But she actually just got moved to fully remote until you know that day comes. And I was just thinking like, and like you said with the students, like there was such a a block with internet access. I mean, like you said, students couldn't even get online. And I was just thinking like, what about these jobs? Like you said, we're we're entering a revolution of remote jobs. And it's like, what happens if, you know, these people can't afford internet or if they can't get access to the internet, the jobs won't get done. So I I love that you're doing that because that's a huge thing that I think was 
subtly addressed during the pandemic, but it was kind of makeshift. It was kind of just like, how do we get the it kids on the was. internet? And then after, you know, obviously being back in school now, but there's so many schools and, and job sites that are still either 100% remote or have hybrid models. So it's like, what do these people do? You, you know, know I mean, no one's no one's addressing that. Along with that, I mean, like you said, the, the future, it, the future is going to be here faster than we know it. And, you know, a lot, a lot more of the time we could see this become a trend in schools, in jobs. And I think companies are starting to see that it might be more of a benefit to have that strong bandwidth and really be remote because one, I think it makes the, the people or employees happy. And two, when you think of it in a business standpoint, I mean, I'm sure a lot of businesses would like to cut out the expense of having, you know, a headquarters or a facility of, you know, trying to maintain all those computers and networks and this and that. If they could do that on a smaller level, I think that would just be more profitable for companies. Um, But I'm going to get into my other question and I want you to tell Boston why they should vote for you. Appreciate it. <laughs> but Boston should vote for me because I am the change bringer in this situation. I am running for both the youth and the institutional elderly who have led our communities forward over the course of the past few years. It goes back to this time of transition and the idea that, you know, we need somebody who can bridge the gap between the new and the old. I believe that my campaign is doing that. And I, I really believe that our idea set, our policy platform is the policy platform that is doing that. And I, I humbly and <laughs> gratefully ask for your vote on December 14th. With your help, we're going to do this thing. Of course. Hopefully. Of course. And, and you know what? I think I think a, a good part of you know this episode is trying to get a lot of the younger demographic and, you know, the, the neighboring cities and places to really understand who you are and what you do and what you would like to accomplish. Because I feel like that's so important. And, you know, a lot of the time people just kind of say things or, or pick people just because. But I always think the what, the why, and understanding how is so important. Because if you don't do all of those, it's, just, it's a guess. It, it really is. And, you know, you can pick... You can pick based on whatever you want. There's no criteria to necessarily um, measure. But, Anthony, you're doing all, all the right things. And, and you definitely, same. you're a friend of the show. And, and listen, we're, we're going to be with you every I step of the way. All right? Thank you. Thank but you. I, I'm sorry to dismiss the politic talk. Yeah. I know that that's what we're here for. But we do have to cover some football talk. Hmm. Anthony, being a football fan, we yeah. know we talk NBA and NFL here. Who's your Super Bowl favorite to this point? Uh, without a doubt, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Okay. Uh, all right, they're going to repeat this year. I'm going to tell you exactly what happens, all right? The Chiefs are off to a shaky start this year again. Mahomes is going to turn it on. That offensive line is going to, you know, turn it on yep. at the end of the season if they can make it through. They're going to get real hot in the playoffs. The Chiefs are going to beat them... 29-23. Okay. Uh, in the Super Bowl. Ooh, it's some predictions. Right, is he a politician Already. or a sportscaster? We might have to switch. <laughs> we might have to switch careers. Uh, that's awesome, Anthony. I love I love the boldness in, in the prediction there. Kev, do you have a, a sports question that, that you would like to ask Anthony before I do, dive in with my next one? Uh, dive in with your next one. Okay. And you can you can dive in too a little bit. Will the Pats have more successful seasons under Bill Belichick? Yeah, uh, definitely. Listen, I like Mac. I like <laughs> Mac a lot. And Mac is going to drive Belichick over the next few years. But people need to calm down on the Mac to Brady comparisons. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, let the kid develop. Let him turn into his own player. He's going to be great in his own right. But 
listen, there's no replacing Tom Brady, and no. there's no replacing that success we've had our entire lives, by the way. <laughs> we've was, been fortunate. Exactly. We are five years old watching Brady leave <laughs> game-winning drives in the Super Bowl. I don't want to put that on Mac already. No, no. And he's playing He's playing well. I, I think, you know, they get him a couple more weapons. The Pats could be back there. Kev's favorite player is Josh Allen. Yeah, so. I'm a Bills fan. <laughs> <laughs> newly, right. newly transitioned. Bills but he respects the Pats. I do. He has five favorite teams. The okay. Bills and Pats are both You're jumping on tables. Listen, I, I, <laughs> yeah. right. I right. always right. tell my fans I'm a winner and uh, winners win. So <laughs> the Pats aren't winning. I'm going to jump ship. All right? <laughs> so, so, Anthony, we're going to wrap things up here. You, we know that you have a big evening tonight heading to Kelly's Pub uh, doing a little meet and greet in East Boston. Classic Eastie fashion yeah. at yeah, Kelly's. Of course. Um, but what we want to do is, is, you know, really give you 30 to 45 seconds just telling ev- everybody what they need to know where they can find you, where they can see more information if they wanted to, you know, really figure out more questions. I was checking out your Vote D'Ambrosio page online today. I feel like that would be a great start. Thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate it. Listen, we're on Facebook, Twitter, just just Twitter or Facebook, my name, Anthony D'Ambrosio. VoteD'Ambrosio.com is our website. We have all of our resources up there. We're very active online. Shoot me an email. My contact info's on there. Shoot me a text. Our contact info's on there. We get back to you real quick. Constituent services are important. (laughs) And they're a forgotten (laughs) part of this world. Amen to that. Um, So listen, guys, I appreciate you having me on. Thank you so much. And I can't wait to come back here in five years when you all are (laughs) signing your billion-dollar Spotify. (laughs) And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll we'll get it popping then. Hey, um, hey, listen, we can we can get it popping before that yeah, too. <laughs> um, but Anthony, thank you so much. It was an honor. Like we said, this is an uncomfortable experience for us having you down here. We've never had a guest that wasn't you know close friends or family down in Nana's basement. We call this the old. <laughs> this is the sacred. Tank. I this love Nana's basement. <laughs> Anthony's going home with, with some chocolate covered pizzeries, some sense sandbox it. swag. Um, so we had to do him up right guys the d'ambrosio headquarters is in winthrop so if you need any further information you can also check that out guys just to finish things up really quickly we have our community can drive starting so from this episode all the way to november 19th make sure you guys are collecting your canned goods we're going to be going around on the weekends on saturdays and sundays making sure that we get those and we're going to continue our donation to the east boston community soup kitchen and the crossroad shelter we've also this past week, just reached 300 published episodes Ooh, and 20,000 wow. downloads. Yep. So little kudos to us. we got to celebrate um, our own success. But still so much more to come. Billion Dollar Spotify deal is definitely yeah. next. It is. <laughs> um, but guys, you know the deal. Make sure to leave five stars. If you guys have any questions, anything with Mr. D'Ambrosio, please let us know. We will see you soon here at Since the Sandbox. Peace out, guys. Woo! Thank you, guys. Not too, not too.